Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Hello, Wizards fans. The regular season is finally over, mercifully, I guess, for most of us who had higher expectations for how this season would play out. But that's okay. We've got plenty of fun stuff for you over the offseason. Actually, sometimes as a Wizards fan, the offseason is honestly more fun than the regular season. So we'll we'll try to uh, continue on in that spirit. But uh, Osmond Begg of Bullets Forever and I are going to kind of break down you know, the year, where it went wrong, where did we go next? There's been a lot of talk about the Wizards point guard. Tommy Shepard just finished his media availability, so we're going to break that down and get into kind of his comments, Wes Unsell Jr.'s comments, that sort of thing. But first, just a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's get to this post mortem or whatever you want to call it exit interview, exit podcast, all that good stuff on what was the 2021 2022 Washington Wizards NBA season. So let's hit it. All right. I'm pleased to be joined by Osmond Begg. Oz, we we made it through the wizard season. We've kind of mostly survived. Uh, I don't know how unscathed we were, but it is kind of, you know, it's finally over. If <laughs> This one felt long to me. I don't know about how it felt for you. <laughs> it did. It's weird. Like the last few seasons have been so strange, but, and this one was longer, obviously games wise, but mm-hmm. it just seemed to really drag after the trade. After, I think after, after the, the trade deadline, <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. Because the 10 and three start, there were so many different, like, parts to the season and like the end just really like on one hand i was like oh we're saying it's just something new but on the other hand it's like okay when is the season just gonna end you know? <laughs> yeah i know i was cool with seeing him for like four games and then like let's fast forward to next season uh they, the final game of the year was a 124 to 108 loss to the hornets that's washington's fourth consecutive losing season they finished the year 35 and 47 so 12 games basically under 500 which is um you know, kind of crazy to think about. Uh, and this is the third time in the past four years they have not made the playoffs. So I guess my question to you is, is this season a mild disappointment or a total disappointment? Because I'm not willing to accept any other option than that. <laughs> um, I'll say mild disappointment only because expectations shouldn't have been that great for this season. Sure. I, there's some context there. I would say total disappointment. If you told me where they are now after the tenant restart, I would right. just say, that's just a total disappointment. No questions, you know, but 
the way I look at it like this is, and I think I've said this a few times, I definitely believe it. Porzingis is one of the most talented players they've had on their roster in the past few decades. And they did not have a talent like that on the roster to start the season. So although the season itself was very disappointing, um, for what their stated goal is, they are in better shape now than they were to start the season. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, I'm like, I'm trying really hard to look at some silver linings, like just some micro level stuff, like Kuzma is an upgrade over Westbrook going. Yeah. Kuzma is an upgrade over Westbrook moving forward. So I think that in of itself is sort of at least a nice building block. Uh, it's interesting too. You, you look at the 35 games and most of the lines I saw before the year Vegas had 34 and a half wins. How do they do this shit? Like there's gotta be like a back to the future. <laughs> Biff gave them like a, an almanac or something, right? Like how do they get that close? Yeah. Because uh, people were, you know, when, when, discussing the 35 win total i think the question was hey does that assume beal is on the roster or not somehow beal was on the roster but only played 45 what how many 50 games this year Uh, maybe less and they still got to that exact got right on top of that number and it's just it's just wild and once they hit that number they were like okay we're done our work is done here it's over (laughs) we we won a few people who hammered the over some money and then uh then we're done I suggested that, or well, I predicted they would go 41 and 41. And then I got absolutely clowned for that for the first month of the season, basically, you know, the 10 and three start. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 55 games might be more realistic, you idiot. <laughs> um, so I, you know, it's one of those things where like, I actually thought I was being like cautiously optimistic with 41 and, you know, just... yeah, I think I was in the low forties also, especially when, with the way it started. It was just funny though, watching, I, I, I'm going to admit, I did not watch the entire Hornets game, but I did tune in for the second half. And there's a, there was a point in the game where it was Montrez Harrell, Harrell obviously is on the Hornets. You have Ish Smith and Isaiah Thomas going like going back and forth trading buckets. And I'm like, if someone had told me <laughs> back in November that yes, Montrez Harrell would be playing in the season finale, but for the other team, and Isaiah Thomas and Ish Smith would be would be dueling. Like I'd be like, what the hell has hap- is going to happen over the next few months? <laughs> yeah, if this was like the end of like the twenty, I don't know, twenty twelve season or something, I could see that. You know, like <laughs> yeah. um, the the Ish Isaiah Thomas duel seems a little more reasonable at that point in their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, just got a couple quotes here for you. This will be a quote heavy show for everybody. So uh, apologies in advance if you don't like that, or you know, you're welcome if you do like that. But um, Tommy Shepard got asked about. Uh, his thoughts on Beal this offseason. He said, I feel comfortable that this is the place for him. Um, or I think he said he thinks he feels comfortable that Brad thinks this is the place for him. And he thinks that Brad is excited about his future here. Uh, I mean, we've also seen Shepard sort of, um, you know, throw the throw the wool over whatever over our eyes, I guess. I, I mean, a couple of times with his comments about we're not going to trade Wall and then he trades Wall. We're not going to trade Westbrook and mm-hmm. he trades Westbrook. I don't think this is one of those situations. Like, I, I think he fully means that. And I think they have every intention of like going all in on Beal still. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're going to go all in. Um, Beal is, seems like he's all in. And if you're in Beal's, if you're in Beal's shoes, yes, they're not record wise. They didn't do what you'd hope to do. But again, he, now he saw what, like he's, now he's, no, he's, he knows he has a, like a true co-star. So Porzingis, if he's on the court, if he could stay healthy on the court, his per 36 as a wizard was about like 29 and 29 and 11. Mm-hmm. Um, shooting was pretty good. I, I think didn't Hollinger have his per during the stretches like 27, some insane number, you know? So it's like, it, so 
as far as Beal's concerned, yes, they got him someone who could help him. They're going to pay him more than anyone else can pay him. Why not? Now, I, I still, I think I still maintain the only way that it does not happen is if Beal just decides, okay, let me just take a couple other meetings just to see mm. what people have to say. Somebody wows and him or something. Somebody wows him. And it has to be someone like a Pat Riley that would have to wow him. Um, but even then, I think I would 95% that he's back. They're definitely committed to him. He's committed to staying. And I think worst case, even if he leaves, they work out a sign and trade. But yep. my guess is, my guess is he's here. Uh, Wes Ensel Jr. said that he was proud of his team and how they, quote, stuck with it for the season. And Shepard said that the spirit of the team, the final like month of the season, was much closer to what he envisioned for this team uh, and just sort of the way they at least competed mostly down the stretch. You know, obviously they went kind of full tank at the very end here, but um, I'm taking that as like basically after we put Saturansky in the starting lineup, uh, how they played <laughs> after that. But I just... Some of the media quotes, the lip service gets me like, what do you mean? You're proud of how they stuck with it for the season. I mean, there were definitely times this year where it looked like they quit. So I, right. I don't, I don't really know what there is to be proud of. Like some of those losses were not just the, Oh, it's a long season. We didn't bring it tonight. Like they looked like they had phoned it in for weeks at a time throughout the year to me, at least. Right. The stretch of basketball post deadline pre Saturansky getting into the starting lineup, the stretch of basketball was terrible, mm -hmm. which is why they finally made that move, even though it took longer than it probably should have if they were actually trying to make the plan. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't those things. And it's kind of like it's that's where when Shepard first came or he was he's been here. But when he first took over right. the job, it was like always refreshing because he's talking mm -hmm. and like you, you get much more from him than you do from Ernie Grunfeld. Now, the more you hear him, the more it just sounds like he's just selling you. Yep. Like the bar he's with. When he first got here, I think his first press conference or when he got when he got the job, I just remember saying eight, the eight, nine seed is no longer acceptable. That the goal is not just to go all in on the eight, nine seed. And that was the argument that he made for not paying to keep Bobby Portis, Thomas, Tomas Sadoransky back then. Uh, there was Jabari Parker. I can't even remember that version of that roster. But like that's why thing. they pivoted yeah. off. So traded out of order. Did not keep Portis, did not keep Sadoransky. There were a couple other players, and they kind of went on this like quasi rebuild because the goal was no longer to be the eight ninth seed. Now it's okay, let's just get to the play in. That was the goal last year. That was the goal again this year. It seems like it's every time Tommy Shepard speaks, which seems to be every time after the roster goes over some major overhaul, the bar changes. And now the bar is like, hey, they just competed. And did they really compete? It's tough, you know, for a few games here or there, but who doesn't in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, you'd be kind of, it'd be kind of embarrassing if you were like the lone NBA team that didn't look like they gave a right. shit for, you know, a week or two at a time. Well, one of the good things Tommy Shepard actually did do was get Chris Tapsporzingis. He brought in a distressed asset who has a lot of talent and seems like it's going to work out, presumably. I have a couple quotes here from Porzingis that I actually really liked. I thought they were kind of more honest, or at least um, I'm hoping that they're honest and encouraging than some of the other stuff we heard. But he said, summers before, there were some things that I had to get through just to be able to be on the court. This summer is a long one, and I'm also fresh. I'm feeling great. I could even play more right now. That's an exciting thing for me, and I'm really looking forward to doing some work, getting a tan, and coming back next season with the batteries fully charged. Uh, he also said, I think I would say I'm about 60, 65% of my potential of where I can be, so I still have a good way to go. That's how I look at it. For me, it's going to be about continuity. Health, continuity on the court, and I feel like that's going to take me to the place where I want to be. 
I mean, I love that. I hope that's the case. If this guy's got another 35, 40% to go, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it at least makes him an all-star again, which we would happily take. Oh, absolutely. Like I thought he was really good uh, already and it was encouraging. It was on one hand, it was kind of like, Hey, why are they playing him in back-to-backs? Why are they playing him so many minutes? But on the other hand, it was encouraging that he was able to do so mm-hmm. without suffering any setbacks. Yeah. And then he's getting to the summer healthy. He's, you know, and if he thinks that there are a couple other gears that he hasn't re- he can, he can hit that's, that would be fantastic for this team because this team needs some variance. They need some kind of like they were operating, <clears throat> they're operating in like a safe zone. They need something that could, that could let them swing above their, like swing above their weight if they can, you know? Yeah. They, they, you, you've said it. They need some kind of, you know, like big, big move to pay off here. And, and this is sort right. of the thing to me that's most likely to do it. No matter what luck they get with the draft, right? you know, Porzingis has a better chance of being, you know, the second best player on the team next year than any of the, even the top four picks in this draft would, I would mm-hmm. think. And he, he was kind of asked like what his goals were for the team next season. And he said, I just want to achieve the maximum potential that we have with this group for next season. That would be the thing I would strive for, whether that's making the playoffs or taking it even a step further than that. We don't really know yet, but we just want to maximize. That's more honest to me than anything Tommy Shepard has said, right? Like we, we, I don't even know if the play-in is our ceiling, but whatever it is, we want to actually hit our ceiling for a change. Like I, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like if, if it, you could even tell, like if a team, like the, the, the 2016, 2017 wizards had lost, you felt like they kind of, yeah, you felt like, okay, maybe they could have beaten the Celtics, but considering how thin that roster was, they mostly maximized. They mostly maximized the following season when they won a couple home games against the Raptors, but they lost. You felt like, okay, this season and then Markeith Morris afterwards was like, oh, the better team lost. You were like, okay, just stop. No, that's, and that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. That's just like you watch the group underachieve. Like, you know, again, like whatever their potential is, as long as they achieve it and Mm -hmm. play a clean style basketball, no infighting in the locker room. And, and you see just, Part of it, like, is is you just want to see good basketball, mm-hmm. and like, forget the win total, forget all that. I know there's a lot of, on Wizards on Wizards Twitter and just Twitter in general about there's like there seem to be two extremes. You could either tank or you could it's it's either hey or you're a contender, team, yeah. yeah, you're not a contender, so you should tank. There's got to be a middle ground, and I'm not saying the middle ground is aim for the plan, mm-hmm. but the middle ground is like the only formula to build a winner can't be let's fully tank, let's go full Sixers. And like got everything that there has to be other ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if if they just if they add a couple of players, they play well, they share the ball. Uh, you know, at, th- at this point, I just want to see good basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than the ten and three start, I, I feel like this season was mostly a whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Like mm-hmm. your big free agent didn't work out. You know, your last year's big free agent didn't work out. Brad getting hurt, like guys not getting along, like all that stuff is, is pretty bad. Rookie growing pains with the head coach, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And they were 35 wins into this. Like, I got to think if just they get a healthy season from Brad and Porzingis and a few other guys just like are competent, that's at least good for, I don't know, seven or eight wins, I would think. So right. that that's sort of the hope. And they asked Shepard what kind of team he was trying to build. Like what was the identity he wanted to see? And he said he wanted an exciting up-tempo defensive minded team. So that, that was kind of interesting to me. I found that more lip service because that's mm-hmm. sort of what every general manager says to fans. Like we're going to be fun, but we're also going to play defense. Cause that's what you want to hear. But I, I'm curious, like 
does he talk about that with Wes Unseld, right? Like I know Wes is going to say, I want a defensive minded team, but is he also going to say he wants an up-tempo team? Because last season we heard the exact opposite. So have they already pivoted away from, we're going to slow it down and, you know, we're going to muddy things up and, and we're going to try to like grind people into the, you know, into the ground. So <laughs> like, what do they actually talk about behind the scenes? What is the actual identity they're trying to build to? I think that's sort of like the biggest thing we don't know that I wish we did know. Right. They were second to last in the NBA in fast break points per game. Yeah. And they're also a bottom 10 defensive team. So right. he could say all that, but there's been no indication or no movement in that direction to show that that's actually what they're trying to attend, be on the floor. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. What, like, okay, you could say that. I could say that I want to, you know, I want to slam dunk this summer. Right. Like I have to add like three feet to my vertical. You know? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's perfectly said. Uh, a couple other bright spots here in that final game. Kispert had 20 points on eight of 12 shooting, four of eight from three. Uh, that means he connected on at least three three-pointers in 18 total games this year. That's the most by a Wizards rookie in franchise history. Previous amount was Beal with 15 during the 2012-2013 season. And Kispert said he was just proud of overcoming a slow start and he can't wait mm-hmm. to capitalize on it and make it better next year. So I guess just what did you see from Kispert down the stretch? Like, were you encouraged by his play to close out the year? I think, yeah. I, I At the beginning of the season, it was definitely, there were questions. Everyone was like, oh my God, Kispert's, the only thing he's supposed to really be able to do is shoot. And in summer shoot. league <laughs> and at the beginning of the season, he couldn't shoot. So there was obviously an adjustment to the NBA line, but you could see that he is going to shoot. It would not surprise me at all at some point if he's like a 50, 40, 90 guy, yeah. uh, which is which is good. It's tough. It's, it's valuable. Mm-hmm. I think, I think my issue, and I wouldn't even call it an issue, is to me, a Corey Kispert is like a reserve player. Okay. He is a good seventh man on, mm-hmm. he's a seventh man on a veteran playoff type team. He's what Berton should have been, right? I mean, he's like- what Berton should have been, exactly. He's not a starter on a rebuilding team because yeah. I think his value is on his rookie contract. His mm-hmm. value is playing a role. His value is not, he's not going to take people off the dribble yeah. routinely. He might, He'll beat a closeout. He'll like make a good percentage on his twos, but he's not going to fill the stat sheet otherwise. Mm -hmm. So with him, it's okay. You know, I I think he's, he was encouraging, but they played him a lot. Like they played him like, like he was playing more than Denny. He was playing more than Rui. He's playing as much as like KCP at the the end of the season. It's like, so what do they envision? Mm -hmm. Because he's not never, if again, going back to what Shepard said, they wanted to be a defensive minded team. Well, he's your wing. He's playing 35 minutes a game and he's not going to be stopping anyone defensively, no matter how hard he tries. So it's yeah, like best case, he's serviceable, right? I mean, best case, he's serviceable. And that's really best case for all your rosters. So, yeah. so <laughs> it's like, what are they, what do they, I, I guess that's my question. What do they envision? Like if they envision a seventh man who's playing 25 minutes a game, knocking down threes at a high clip, that's great. Um, we could worry about the value of his, uh, have a second contract three years from now. Um, if they are looking for a starter who could fulfill what Shepard's goal was of play defense, run the floor, fast break, fast break team. No, he doesn't fit that. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if he was like, um, good enough to be like a situational starter or spot minutes for somebody after an injury like that, that, I think that's kind of what you want, but him being like a super sub could play 25 minutes and just hit a bunch of threes and spread the floor and be okay defensively on a second unit where guys aren't as, you know, going to expose him as much. Like 
that's sort of best case scenario. I think my hope is that they played him so many minutes because they figured we're not going to win a lot with a rookie on the court for 30 minutes. And that's kind of okay with us. So let's let him play through every possible mistake this year so that next year we can kind of go all in on something. Yeah. But where do you think, so where do you, if Beal comes back, uh, let's assume Caldwell Pope and Kuzma are back. What is, and at least one of Denny and Rui are back. Where does Kispert fit into the equation then? I mean, I, I think this team, your starting five, like can be pretty good, but I don't think you're going to like outclass Milwaukee starting five or any of those teams. Mm -hmm. Like your best case is being better than them one through 10 and, and like being better for, you know, than them, like seven through 10 on your roster. So if he's your seventh through 10th best guy, and we've seen like injuries are up, COVID is still kind of lingering sometimes with teams like depth is huge, especially in an yeah. NBA regular season. Now guys you know, needing to be rested more, all this stuff. So like, that's your opportunity to have like young, fresh legs over the course of a season. You know, he played a good amount of games. Like I think that's kind of value added for them. is just like having a competent player that won't like really hurt you that you can plug yeah. into a lot of different lineups. He could be the two in some groups. He could even be mm-hmm. the four in a super small group. If you wanted to run a ton, like, you know, he, he gives you a little bit of roster flexibility. Yeah. I think I think as long as that's kind of what they, the box that they see him in, I think that's fine. It's, and to some degree, it, like you think, okay, a team like this, they, that's, they really played it safe in going and drafting someone for that role, uh, considering what they actually need. But at the same time, you can't discredit them for hitting and getting a serviceable player who's going to be in the league for a long time. So, you know, like if, yeah, if that's a role, if that's what they do with him, great. I, I would just hope next draft they shoot a little higher. <laughs> that's that's sort of the thing, right? What's the philosophy? Is it we're always going to, with our first round picks, you know, up until the lottery, take guys we think are at the very least good role players for us, but probably never anything better than like fringe starters. Or are we going to go like home run swings? We're going to go JaVale McGee. We're going to go Nick Young. And just like <laughs> either they really work out or they really don't. And you know, that's sort of the question to me, I'm actually okay. The, like the way the NBA is now going with slightly older guys that like no rookie is really ready to come in and play right away. Unless they're like a super rookie, you know, like a top right. couple pick, but at 15, if you get a guy that's really ready to contribute to a decent team in year two, I think that's great because the wizard's track record of keeping these guys for second contracts is so poor that you want to get as much from them that first year as you can. Like if you took Zaire Williams or somebody uh, and it takes him five years to get good. Right. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to be here. Right. So he's going to be really good for Orlando in a couple of years or, or whoever the second team is. So I I don't hate it. I I do wish he had a little bit kind of more upside. I, I think the two previous draft picks do have more overall upside, but I think their floors are all kind of around the same realistically. So and Kispert yeah. could have value if you do t- like decide to blow it up eventually after, you know, if Beal resigns here and it's awful next year and you decide to blow it up finally, Kispert's a guy you could flip to a playoff team. Yeah, a playoff team would definitely want him and give something of value to him to have, have him on their bench. I just think like, you know, there has to be some middle ground where sure. you're at least targeting a player that you could project to be a two-way starter. It doesn't need to be a home run pick. doesn't need to be a safe pick. But someone who you could envision, yes, in year two, year two, they could potentially be decent on offense and defense 
And that's kind of what we are, what we have not done recently, at least in my opinion. But, you know, let's see. Yeah. We got got a lottery pick coming up. For me, it's like other teams draft better than us, right? It just is a fact. If the Wizards got a guy at 15, that's a rotational level player for four years here. Like that's a win for them. That's a win for them. Right. If he was better, that'd be great. But I like the attitude. The team seems to like him too. I don't think that's sort of an underrated thing. I don't think that Beal is probably necessarily the easiest guy to play with based on kind of what we've seen. So I don't think Kispert's ever going to rock the boat there. And Mm -hmm. I think there's something to be said for that. Speaking of the other two draft picks, um, Hachimura scored 20 points in five of his last eight games, uh, including back-to-back games for the first time all season to end the year. So um, you know, they asked Wes Unsell Jr. what he thought about Hatchamore's year. And he said, I, I think he had an incredible season to see him pick things up down the stretch. Like, I, I you know, incredible season is, is a little bit of, um, I don't that's know. It's kind talk. Of, yeah, talk. yeah, exactly. Like that, that's look. kind of offensive to fans almost, but yeah, I mean, to me, given the way it started and where he kind of got inserted into things. I'm happy to take the improvement we saw from a shooting perspective, right? Like there's been a lot of back and forth about how valuable is he? Um, how do you apply certain metrics to him and, and things like that? And I, I think it's all valid, but I'm happy to take like whatever silver linings we can here. And if he's a 41% free th- or three point shooter for the rest of his career here, that's still a valuable player to me. Yeah. I think what I saw with, with Rui is kind of what you said, like if you have a six foot eight, big wing who could shoot 40 plus percent from three. And we've seen, he has the ability to face up and basically go drive the basket and be very strong at the basket. Mm -hmm. You take that and you try to work with it, especially with the value being down, like, and, and kind of, my take is this. So I am, uh, you know, I think, you know, I'm a Rui fan that said, I would trade any young player on this team for the right upgrade. But I think it's also right. It's also about being realistic. Mm -hmm. If you're an opposing G, if you're another team's GM, and you know Rui's in his Rui Hachimura is in his contract year, and he's missed forty games, um, and you're going to have to pay him in a year. Are you really going to give much of value for him? No, no. it's a buy, value, he's a buy low for some other team. He's a buy low, and I would consider probably his value to be like what a second round pick yeah. or a player in a similar situation on 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 another. He's a distressed team. asset for a distressed asset. I mean, he's another exactly. Tommy Shepard flip. He's the guy Tommy Shepard tries to get from other teams. We'll try to get from yeah. We'll try to get from another team for free just to free up some cap space. So I think you take like you. He had shown defensive improvement in year two. He did not show the shooting. Well, he showed a little bit of the shooting towards the end of year two. Mm-hmm. I think what you hope is in a normal season where he is coming to camp like on time, has a normal off season, it has a full like off like full training camp with the staff that the defense gets back to at least where it was towards the end of year two, and maybe you have something. He's at the, like at worst. He's a six foot eight, three point shooter who makes $6 million a year next year, which is fine. And then if you need to like use his contract at the trade deadline, or if you need to, um, you know, or just let him walk it in at the season, or if he has a contract, your gear, great, you know, like just see what happens with it. Um, that's kind of where I am at with him. I thought he did do some things, but it's like with whole, his whole situation, it's just weird to even peg it. We don't, there's still a lot we don't know. Mm-hmm. So we have no idea really what his situation was, what kind of condition he was when he got here, what his like, how far away he was from being on the, on the court. So it's just hard to tell and just kind of being dropped in, in the middle of the season. And, you know, you could tell he did not have the chemistry with his teammates that he had prior to the season. So it was, I think um, Zach Lowe called it kind of a waste, like 
I don't know the term he used, but it was in essence a lost year. Basically, it was a lost year, and you can't argue that the three point shooting, the improve shooting improvement was great, but that's just the one skill that showed improvement. But it was really a lost year for him and a lost year for the team in terms of evaluating what they have in him. I think the defensive stuff, like again, we've shown enough signs to know that he can at least put in the effort on that end. And and this year, he looked mostly lost on that side of the ball to me. And and you and I have talked about this. I. I was talking to a scout for Timberwolves uh, like about a month ago, and he was talking about how NBA defense now is less about tools and, and physical gifts and things like that than it used to be. And more about like five guys being in sync, you know, five, five fingers to make a fist kind of deal. And if you miss a training camp, it's a new system. You've got a revolve, you know, revolving door of teammates, like continuity um, is, is a big thing. And, and he had none, the team had very little overall. So I'm, like you said, I'm hopeful that next year with a better defensive point guard playing next to Porzingis, who has some upside playing him next to Gafford, who's now playing against reserves, like not having to play next to Thomas Bryant, no offense, Thomas Bryant. Like I, I think all of those things should theoretically at least lead to him being a, again, another serviceable NBA defender. Like he's going to work right. hard. He's going to watch film. He's going to know positioning. Is he still going to get beat back door, you know, a couple times or yeah. on cuts? Like who doesn't in the NBA at this point anymore? Right. Um, if you like the end of year two, he basically, he had a lot of responsibility defensively. He yeah. was their one player who could guard big wings in the NBA. So if you recall, remember the playing game against Boston where we got hammered, Rui got in foul trouble very early. And then Jason Tatum just went off. Yeah, we had Beal on him again and all that stuff. Exactly, exactly. And he was guarding LeBron. He was guarding Kawhi. He was guarding any, the star on the other team he would guard. Mm -hmm. And he, and their defensive rating as a team when he was on the floor got better month to month as the season went on. So, and it's like DRPM improved. But again, that's going to take, that's going to take an entire summer. That's going to take working with, working with the staff, getting through a full training camp, just getting back to that level. Um, and then if the shooting does carry over, which I don't see why it wouldn't, it was a pretty good sample size. And mm-hmm. even I think Kevin Broom had the stat where it kind of tapered down a little bit, but it was, it was still 40%. Where it, yeah. where it tapered down to was 40% from, right. okay, obviously he was not going to shoot 55% for a full season. <laughs> yeah. So, so he was, yeah, his season ended with him shooting, I think 41% for the last yeah. 15 games, which is still, that's great shooting. I'll take that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd take 10 more guys on the roster that, you know, that can do that or even, even within a couple points of that. Uh, we've got Denny Avdia, who played 82 games this season, which is great. He's the first wizard to play all of the team's games since Beal did it in 2018, 2019. It's really kind of incredible, to be honest with you. You know, given the way he plays, he tries to be physical, he's defending guys. Like that there weren't nights that, you know, he had to sit out with a bruised quad or, you know, like those, those kinds of things. I, I think is actually it speaks to his mindset and and this team needs people like that, that are going to try to be, you know, an Iron Man for them. We haven't had like Gortat. I think that was his biggest value was just like, you know, I'm going to be 75 games of just really solid for three straight years. Right. And they needed that on a team with a lot of injuries. I think Denny There's value in that. Yeah. Denny provides that too. Yeah. I thought Denny, Denny had a, so of the three young guys, I think Denny has the highest upside because he could impact the game without, Kispert needs to make threes to impact the game. Rui needs to score the basket to impact the game. Denny can impact the game without scoring, but Denny's skill level lags behind. Like he can't, like Rui, they would close out on him when he's shooting. They're not leaving him open anymore. 
Kispert, they're obviously chasing him off the three-point line and trying to get him off the line. So he's not getting uncontested looks. Denny, they're just daring him to shoot. Mm-hmm. And it depends on if he goes in or if it, if it doesn't go in. And like his dribbling, he did have a couple of nice left-hand finishes, but there's still a ways to go. There's there's a difference between I finished with my left once and I can I am a capable player with both hands on the basket. <laughs> so there's a ways to go there, but he has the upside to influence, like to impact the game in several ways when he's on the floor. I think that being said, I think you saw a couple of things, a couple of holes, a couple of holes, like as the season went on, his defense slipped. But again, that's part of, I think, the, the entire team. Stuff team. Too there. Yeah, it's not as though he became a bad defender. You, your whole roster keeps turning over. You guys, like you said, you don't have five players on the string anymore. Mm-hmm. So he probably doesn't know where his help's coming from. Like, do I think he just became a worse defender? No. Do I think it's because of what was happening around him? Yes. So I think you still have a plus defender there. For him, it's just getting the skills, like, you know, getting getting that ball handling down, getting the shooting, just getting it so that it's innate, so that it's like he doesn't think when he shoots. That's really going to define his upside. But again, kind of going back to what we said about Rui, what he said about Kispert, especially if they keep Caldwell Pope and Kuzma, if it's great if they're here and you'd want, you'd want them to have the opportunity to compete and, and grow. But if you have to trade any or all of them for an upgrade somewhere else, I'm like to the point where I was like, Hey, we got to keep on hold on to these guys. But it's like, at this point, kind of know, like you don't have to, if you could get an upgrade, just get it. If you could get an upgrade somewhere, get an upgrade. If you can't then give them an opportunity. What I don't want to see happen is if these guys come out and prove, but we feel like an obligation to play veterans who are ahead of them. And then you have the whole issue where roles and playing time are an issue. And we have chemistry issues for the first 40 games. Again, that's what you want to avoid. Yeah, I think you ship out as many of those guys that are going to rock the boat with those kinds of things. And you keep the dudes that are like open to healthy competition, you know, that want people Mm -hmm. to push them, that understand over the course of a season, everybody's going to get opportunities. Like that's kind of what you need from a team building perspective. And and I think, you know, we, we saw the second half of the year, Denny start to get a little more confident with the jump shot, get a little more confident, just finishing around the rim in general. Like not that he didn't still miss a few gimmies, but it wasn't like so much hesitancy, I don't think. And yeah, the right. defense slipped. I do think some of its effort, I'm not saying he's not playing hard, but it's the frustration looked kind of apparent to him at times where like, Hey, this guy missed his assignment. You know, I can't clean up every mess. And and I think again, yeah. Overall, and some frustration with the referees too. Yep. For sure. Which, which you know, I think he has to kind of, I notice he does complain a lot to the refs and as a young player, I get it. Like he's frustrated, but he does have to remember that he's going to get a reputation for that. And it's not going to do him any favors. Yeah, I mean, Beal does that shit too, but he's a former first, you know, uh, third right. team all NBA guy. Like he, he can get away with that. And, and Denny needs to know he's he's not that. And, and a referee is right. not going to take that the same way. Although I would still like Beal to set a better example for the young guys from that perspective, but that's a whole <laughs> different story. Um, Denny also said he plans to work on his left hand. I think he's very aware of what his weaknesses are. You hear, you know, they get off the team bus and he heads right to the gym to get more jumpers up. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think the working will be, you know, a, a yeah, the work ethic's not an issue. He's yeah. definitely, he wants it. It's just, can he, does he have the time? Can he put in the time and has see the improvement with those skills that could lead to actually, I think, I, I think of the players of the three young, recent first round picks, I think, yeah, like I said, Denny has the highest upside. He could be a fourth guy on a good team. I think, um, so yeah, if he work, but it just all depends on how, if he works on those things. There's look, there's an opening right now for a starting small forward on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't think Rui can be a small forward. I think he's more of a power forward. Uh, Kispert can play the three. He did start a lot of the three. Caldwell Pope could, but that spot is there. So if he works on those skills, I would hope at least that they at least give him the opportunity to go for it. I think they've been a little bit snake bitten too, right? Like Rui's had some weird injuries. Denny missed almost a whole, you know, off season of development. Like COVID was weird timing for some of these guys. Like, yeah, I think this year, this off season will be big. We saw Rui make improvement from a shooting perspective with kind of not even a real, you know, off season and camp and all those things. So like, if he can do that in a short year, let's see what he can do in a full off season. Let's see what Denny can do. Right. I think that'll be good. The team did yeah, announce. I'm, okay. Right. I'm curious, like, is there sometimes with Rui, you think you sometimes see maybe a little complacency, you know, mm-hmm. like he's just kind of like, he's like just in a good mood, just playing cruise control, kind of playing, you know, kind of cruise control. Is there a contract year gear? That's what I want to see. That's what I'm curious about because he's entering what could be his last season here. So what gear can he take it up to now? Like you're a fourth year guy. You're not a, you're not a rookie anymore. You're getting that young vet range so it's like what do you have now <laughs> i see Rui as like an aw shucks guy you know like something didn't yeah. go my way aw shucks we need him to be an f that guy and i think denny yeah. has that like okay now i'm fired up like now you've right. lit a fire and, and and it's not that he never does it we just need to see more of it exactly yeah um, there are certain games where he like he's like all right i'm going at this dude and you're like yes please yeah. more of this always be a ball you gotta ball. see yeah it's got to be more than isaiah stewart who sees that from Rui. <laughs> yeah exactly right um <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be same with KCP. Got to be more than when they play Dinwiddie. Like you know, everybody needs to treat every game like the Dinwiddie game. Uh, the the team did say that Denny will not play summer league, most likely, um, not hundred percent definitive, but that seems to be the case. He intends to play for his national team, which we've seen, you know, also have some benefit to guys as well. So mm-hmm. I think that'll be good. Uh, they did say they expect like Jordan Shackle, some of the go go guys, whoever new draft picks there are, and quote maybe Kispert. Uh, we'll play summer league. They said Kispert will likely be with the summer league team, whether he plays or not still up for interpretation. I'd like to see him play personally. I think anytime you're on court, especially in a setting like that, where, you know, he could work on, you know, attacking off, you know, off the dribble or something like that. You wouldn't see him do in the NBA context, I I think is good. So yeah, why not? There's no, there's no downside to it. Um, Yeah. It's a short, I would love to see them take summer league a little more seriously. No, yeah, a little it, more seriously, not fair. just show up it to is. play your five games. Right. Like, go there and try to win the, win the summer league. Mm-hmm. You know, play your yeah. guys. Try to get eight games out of it, not not five games out of it. Yeah. Try to get the full experience. For it. And if you, like, also just, like, show up there with, with a decent point guard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's too much to ask. Like, for year year over year, we see them show up to summer league, and you can't actually even evaluate what they have because they have such terrible point guard play. So, yes, I would like, you know, no harm in playing Kispert. Play your first-round pick show up with a decent point guard and try, you know? <laughs> yeah. I will kind of take this as an opportunity to throw out that the capital city go-go finished second in the Eastern conference. They lost um, in the regular season. They lost in the second round of the playoffs in overtime in a single elimination game to the Raptors nine to five team. It was one thirty-one to one twenty-six. It was a really good game. They played really hard uh, kind of back and forth. So I think that group had a good year overall. I, I think you bring some of those guys back. Maybe Cassius Winston is actually a summer league point guard option. Jordan Goodwin, those guys, and Jordan Shackle. And then you just see if Todd can give you anything in that setting too. Um, yeah. You know, so we'll see what they do there. Uh, you know, in, in terms of filling out this roster for next year, none of those guys are going to make like marginal, anything more than marginal impact. The biggest thing I think for this team is the point guard position. 
And there's a lot of hubbub this week because Chris Miller said that here are the four point guards the Wizards should target. He had John Wall, Malcolm Brogdon, Markel Fultz, DeJounte Murray. I think all four options are sort of um, equally stupid for totally different reasons. Uh, <laughs> no offense to Chris. Uh, you know, the, the Wall thing, I still don't see it happening, but it, who knows if he had the right attitude. Brogdon, eh, what do you have to give up? There's some injuries. Faults, another non-shooter. Okay, cool. He's from the area. I don't care. Um, DeJounte Murray, I, I still personally don't understand why the Spurs why would, would give up on them. But, you it's know, taking over with his Twitter. Devon, uh, yeah, Murray talk is taking over with his Twitter. But, yeah, it always comes back to why would he be available? <laughs> you know, We he, sound like Heat fans thinking that we're going to trade for Bradley, Bradley Beal. Beal. Right. I yeah. mean, I, I, I covet the guy, too. I would very much like to make it clear that I was probably the first guy on that bandwagon um, in this fan base, like loudly. I have the receipts for that. But <laughs> it doesn't mean that they're going to do it, you know? So right. it just – the the point guard question came up a lot in sort of their exit interviews. And um, Porzingis got asked about it. He said, I think we have a lot of guys that are good scorers, that are talented offensively. Brad, if he's here, which I thought was interesting. Pope, Kuzma. Kuz is a good, good creator. I'm a good creator. I think somebody that can run the offense really well and is aggressive on the offensive end, but is looking to create for his teammates and to open the game up for everybody else is what they should look for. Wes Unchell Jr. said basically the same thing. He wants someone who can run the offense, get players to their spots and into a shooting rhythm. And he'd want more of a traditional point guard. Tommy Shepard agreed with that. Someone to get them into their sets. Unseld said he wants an extension of the coach in terms of executing the playbook as the quarterback of the offense. He said that size would be a plus and kind of intimated that someone that would also shoot and defend would be good. Uh, and then you know, when asked about who those people are, he said, it's not like there's a long list of available candidates. So sometimes it has to be by committee. We'll have to go forth with what's available and who we can get. To me, that's just letting the fan base know that if it's Saturansky and some mid-level exception guy next year, like, don't be surprised. Um, right. And Saturansky is that blueprint. He's big. He'll move the ball. He can shoot it. He would be aggressive if he needs to. So someone the in, in that The role. offense performed once he became a starter. Yeah, agreed. They played. I think people always get hung up in what your stat line is, what an individual player's stat line in. Sure. The stat line is who cares if they score? If the team scores when that player's on the floor, that's all that matters. That's and is said, that person a threat to score if they have to be? Right. Now, that's, I think, where you can make the argument that they need to upgrade. And I think sure. anyone anyone would would agree, that everyone would agree that, yes, Zadarinsky is not the ideal starting point guard, but he could be part of the point guard equation. Yeah, if he's, so your, if he's if there, your rotation, that's great. Right. If he's playing 20 minutes a game, that's a solid 20 minutes of point guard play you're getting where he's feeding the guys that need to be fed, where he's feeding your 40% three-point shooters and he's feeding uh, Porzingis where they're comfortable and they have chemistry together from before. So that's that's like, I think a couple of questions I would ask, like I wish I could have, I, I could ask Wes Hanson is, well, if you wanted size and you wanted someone to get on the sweat, why did you continue to go back to or circle back to the Palmetto. tank, baby. Skull comes yeah, back to it, the tank. That's the thing. It's like, so did you really, are you saying these things? And then why did, did it really take Saturansky 18 games to learn the offense or was a call made, Hey, let's get Saturansky in and see what we have with them versus continuing to roll out how Neto, which was just, it was just bad basketball. He could not get him in any sets. He was small. He couldn't shoot. I don't understand why they kept going back to him. So it's almost like uh when I think of Neto and I think of Ish, it's like with Moneyball, the movie Moneyball. And I think of like 
Brad Pitt has to get rid of Carlos Pena, you know? <laughs> so it's like, just so that they would play Hatterberg at first base. Yeah. So it's like, I kind of think the same way with Ishmit, like Shepard has to remove the smaller point guards like Ishmit and Howell Neto from the equation so that, well, is it, or that's my question. Does West, does Shepard have to do that? So West Unsold is forced to play more size at the position. I'm I wondering no if that's a Shepard thing too, though, because we heard Unseld say he wanted more size at the position. We didn't necessarily hear Shepard say that. And Shepard was on the staff when they went away from Sadoransky the last time to bring in tiny little Ty Lawson. So yeah, uh, and he and Shepard has gotten has brought Ish Smith into camp twice. now what three times. Yeah, three I mean, times. Yeah, the right? first, yeah. Three times Ish Smith has been on the team. So there's some like that that goes back to kind of what we were what we started off here with with what defense and mm-hmm. defense and getting out on the break. They say one thing, they do the other. So do you want size or do you not want size? If you want size, get bigger point guards because yeah. that's really like that's the what are, John Wall always used to revert, refer to himself as the what the head of the snake. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he always called himself because he knew the defense started with him. He was a six foot four defensive defensive minded point guard, at least like through like until the injuries really caught up to him. Yeah, until um, until he got a big contract too. Yeah. From then, we've gone to like Isaiah Thomas, Ish Smith. Like we've gone to point guards who cannot stay in front of anyone, mm-hmm. and like or just get shot right over. Like people. The just common turn denominator there is that's also when Shepard took over too. That is, that's when Shepard took over. So like, and so you have to kind of put your money where your mouth is. So out of the names that Chris Miller has said, which also just separately, it's it's a, I don't know what's normal. Um, is it normal for the flagship? flagship station of the team to kind of throw out names like that, like, right. Like at the season season finale. And so people are running with it. So people are running with the names. I think of the names we've talked about wall before, that just seems very far-fetched. Bolts can't shoot. Like you said, Brogdon can do a lot. He's kind of like a, like a Sadoransky on steroids, like what a great version of Sadoransky is, mm-hmm. but he's going to cost a lot of money yep. so, and, and, and he's injury assets prone. and he's injury prone. So like, you can't afford at some point you're going to run into the luxury tax and you're going to run out of assets. So I'm not sure what they're going to do, <laughs> but they have to do something clearly. Just a quick timeout here for an ad read. Paying down debt can be stressful, especially when you need to take track of multiple monthly payments. If you're tired of juggling due dates, consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer. That way you'll have just one due date per month and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Maybe Ted could take out a personal loan and go get us a point guard. We'll see. Uh, ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see your personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. I meant that, Ted. Go get us a point guard. Dip in the luxury tax. <laughs> do what you got to do. I don't want to see you buying the Nationals. I want you to see you double down on the Wizards. <laughs> that's where we're at right now with you, bro. Come on. But speaking of Sadoransky, they asked Porzingis about it. And I like to feel like I have a pretty good bullshit meter on these things. And you can kind of just tell by the way guys react before they answer how they actually feel about someone. And I thought he gave like a genuinely positive answer and reaction to Sadoransky. He said Tomas did a great job. Actually, he called him Thomas. He calls him Thomas every time. So I don't know if he's just like <laughs> not feeling the Tomas thing. But um, he said he did a great job through all this time that we played together. He played at a really good level. We'll see who's the point guard next season, but that would be the right fit probably. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if that's a right fit as the starter or right fit to be on the roster next year, but either way, um, you've got a big piece like him that sort of liked that dynamic 
And the idea of just like having a jumbo team for a change, like if you have a lineup of Sadoransky, Brad, I don't know, whoever your big three is, maybe you could play some Denny or somebody mm-hmm. next to Porzingis and Gafford. Um, I know that's sort of not the way the NBA is going, but the ability to do that in spurts and make teams match up with you for a change, I'm actually all for. So I thought that was an interesting comment. Yeah, I agree. Like it would be nice to play, follow the size blueprint and not be undersized at every position. Brad would still be kind of an undersized too. That's fine. But but look, if your lineup is guard point guards then and let Sadaransky guard twos. If your lineup goes six, 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 four, six, nine, six, ten, and seven three, that's that's a good thing. That's how you want to be in the NBA today. Yeah, big switchable length. The switchable thing is sort of the question mark with that group, but mm-hmm. we're not switching shit well anyway with its <laughs> tiny lineup. So it's not like that. That really helped us much. Uh, you know, the other way to improve this roster is with the draft. So the Wizards finished with the 10th best odds in the lottery. They could slide up into ninth if the Spurs win, I want to say tonight. And they played the Pelicans tonight is Wednesday night. And then I want to say they would play again Friday. I would have to, they would check. play the loser of the eight of the seven, eight. I can't. And that's the Clippers. And oh my goodness, I can't remember. I, I'm less head. sort of tuned in on who <laughs> finished where in the West. I am coming yeah. off a vacation. Where that's the only way we, yeah, we get time, to nice. So. Otherwise we're 10. <laughs> yeah, that, that, exactly. Most case scenario, most likely case here is that you're the 10th best team. So that gives you a 3% chance at the number one pick and a 13.9% chance at a top four pick. Uh, you know, so realistically, we're probably going to pick 10th. Honestly, right. if it's if it's the Wizards, like that, that's, you know, maybe they sneak in. You still want to move down. Like, exactly. <laughs> like right. as if long you as finish, you don't end up 10, 11th or 12th, yeah. I'll take, you know, I'll take 10th. It is yeah, what it agreed. is. I, I think that's probably where we end up. Um, if you go to rookiescale.com, they do a consensus mock draft. So they take ESPN, Sports Illustrated, The Athletic, Bleacher Report, Basketball News, Yahoo, The Ringer, Stepien, Tankathon, all these people and, uh, you know, major people on draft Twitter and things like that. And they average them out. And which here's who they had in eight through 13. Johnny Davis appeared eighth most of the time on boards. Ben Mather in nine, Jalen Duran 10. Uh, Dyson Daniels, 11, Jeremy Sohan, 12, Ty Ty Washington, 13. So those are realistically the probably the guys in the Wizards general range. Any, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, so I know where you're going right. to go. But for anybody listening to this who doesn't follow uh, either of us on Twitter, of those names, who kind of stands out to you the most? So I think they're actually, that's why I just, I think getting to that 9, 10 spot was important because there are players who I think in one to two years can quickly contribute as as players who you don't have to hide on one end of the floor. Sure. So Matherin is probably my favorite in that range. Same. Um, but I don't expect him to be there at nine or 10 when it all comes down to it. You know, I think there's a better chance that Johnny Davis is there. Dyson Daniels, mm-hmm. uh, Jeremy Sochan, Ty Ty Washington. I think with them there, it's, it's a little, I, I like Johnny Davis probably second out, out of that list. He's someone, what is he? 19 years old, big 10 player of the year. His shooting came down but i think that might be more of a function of shot selection is pretty rough there too and, and shot people, selection and not really having much around him to help improve so i think he's, he's kind of a slasher who could score put him get some rebounds he could help dyson daniels to me is interesting mm-hmm. because i think he got measured six eight recently with shoes um he's a he, point guard he looked pretty big like i stood within about 15 feet of him when he played against the go-go and yeah he's at a minimum like a easy six, six, you know, barefoot, like he, he's yeah, legit. So, and he's like, he has a reputation defensively. He's a good passer. 
The shooting is a question mark, but the mechanics don't look terrible. Mm-hmm. But um, it's so he's a six, eight in shoes point guard who could do kind of everything. And this that is not a Denny issue. point guard. This is a guy that is actually, could actually be like an initiator. Yes. Yeah. yes, he can dribble right now. So that's <laughs> like, so, so like he could be interesting. Ty Ty Washington, there's been, there was basically for months, he's already always been linked to the Wizards because of the point guard need. <clears throat> he did not have a great end to the season. Started off better. The thing with him is the Kentucky guards usually play better in the NBA. So that's kind of, if you were to get him, you that's you're the betting that on track record there. You're betting on track record that like a Tyler hero, like a uh, Maxi, that they just get Gilgis better. Alexander, well. you know, that right. whole list. That's kind of just the hope with him. So I think all those players would be interesting players. I think Matherin Davis at the top two, the others kind of more like Dyson Daniels, Ty Ty Washington. I think they would come here. I don't know if they would play immediately. I think the other two would, um, Jeremy Sochan, am I saying that correctly? Sohan, the C is Sohan. like silent. So yeah. I, he's actually really interesting, but he has probably the lowest floor and maybe the highest ceiling of the group because he's he could be a Draymond Green or Draymond Green, Boris Diaw type where like a four or five, like a smaller, small ball four or five who could defend multiple positions, kind of more be, be a leader on the floor. But his offense is not there. Yeah. Or and he's like, John Henson. You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. And also you kind of have drafted Denny Avdia to be kind yeah. of a similar type player. So you would have a lot of redundancy there. Yeah. I, I like him. I don't like him here. Just given the track record of how we've kind of developed those types of guys in. Yeah. We don't really do well with that. he's Jan Vesely, right? Like he's a guy that was better as a small ball five that we tried to make a three. I, you know, if you do that with so, so, and I I think that's problematic. I have not been the biggest tie tie guy. So I I think I I wouldn't be particularly big on that. Um, Jalen Dern doesn't make sense to me here. You know, like uh, Mm -hmm. if you draft him, it's because you're almost assuming you can eventually trade Gafford out or Porzingis will get hurt. Uh, Daniels, I, I think is interesting. I, I would be more okay with Daniels at like 14. I know that's not like a huge difference. It seems like, yeah. but Davis and Matherin have the closest thing to start potential of that group for me. If there's a way you get one of the two of them, I, I would do it. I mean, it, there's a potential for Johnny Davis. Like he makes some unreal passes and mm-hmm. he would like to be a defender when I think he doesn't have to carry a whole offense. So yeah, he's a two and Brad the two or whatever. And he's not big enough to be a three. Like, I don't actually care if you can get a guy with that just has more talent than people. So, right. Um, I think he, with Davis and Matherin, the full transparency, like I would, and I've like, I think this team, so this is a team that has a hard time getting talent. As yeah. We all know they, they've, they tried for years with wall mm-hmm. and be able to get that third star. They just, they just can't. That is why I think you see Shepard do what he does, where he tries to get the stress assets, yep. hoping that he can revitalize them. So exactly. they may have gotten lucky with Perzingis, but it all depends on health with him. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they are not going to get uh, like their like their stars come because they draft them. Like Wall came in the draft, Beal came in the draft, Otto came in the draft. Um, like and they have 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 I missed anyone like since then? No, like they're not going to go out it. and yeah, they're not going to they're not going to be a major free agent player ever because until they do it, you know, they're just not. So that's kind of, I think what still bugs me a little bit about the Kispert pick, but I get it because of where they were picking, but for this team now you're picking probably 10th, right? 
you're not a free agent player. You're not going to go. So you have to take your swing now. And I'm not taking saying take a swing on a guy who's a five-year project, but if you could trade up, if you could use one of your recent first round picks or an asset to move up like three, four spots and ensure that you get a Benedict Matherin, or if you get a Johnny Davis, someone who I think has all-star potential. If you, if you can go up four spots and get Shaden Sharp, you do that. Yes, or if he, if do he falls it. to or seven should, yes. and you're yeah. at nine, you, you do it. Like I didn't even include that. So yeah, because that gives you a chance at true star potential. And that's the only way they could really get that in my opinion. Yeah. Worst case scenario, he's probably a marginal NBA player and you've drafted plenty of those anyway. So like, right. why not take a shot at a guy that could be, you know, like a real game changer. I'm, I'm right. Totally like, I, I just, I just do not want to see them settle say, okay, we're 10th. We'll just say we like when you always hear Shepard, you hear, I've heard Shepard say this on multiple drafts now where they're picking, he's like, well, we like when they're ninth, we like 10 players in this draft. So will any of the 10 that follow us will be happy. Yeah. Last year, he said there were 16 players that they liked and they had the 15th pick. Cool. Go up and get someone. Go show yeah. that you like someone that has an upside versus just waiting for whoever falls down to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's hmm. it's going to be one of those things where like there are a couple guys that um, somebody's going to slip. Like somebody's mm-hmm. going to value during at top eight or something like um, somebody's going to reach on Ty Ty or Sohan or Kendall Brown or one of these guys. So someone good could fall to you or fall right. close enough to you. It wouldn't be a huge ask to leapfrog somebody. Maybe you pick swap with somebody in a couple seasons or, or whatever it is. Like yeah. th- there's an opportunity to do that here. And this isn't the greatest draft. Like actually next year's draft might even be the better chance to do it. But um, guess what? You don't have a draft pick next year. So, uh, <laughs> you know, let's, let's do what we got to do this year. I think, um, anyway, we'll see, we'll, we'll do a lot more sort of pre-draft coverage as we get closer to it. Uh, Oz, any f- parting shots you want to leave people with here just to tie a bow on this season or what you hope for the off season? Yeah. Like, uh, so one argument that I'm just not really willing to have anymore and not going to get involved with anymore is kind of the, should they keep you? Because it's clear that they've made the decision. They're keeping moved. totally moved. So even like when people like will reply to the, when we're on the bullets forever account or just, they're saying, Hey, they should just trade Brad. It's like, okay, cool. It's For over. years we've suggested this or like people have suggested it made the argument they're invested in him. He's invested in them. Let's move on with what we have. It's not what any, what's ideal for anyone. I think at this point, this during the end of the season, everyone was rooting for the tank because we wanted to move up the lottery, right? Well, most majority were. So, but at the same time, when it's done, it feels hollow. Like mm-hmm. if this is what you're doing, actually push chips in, push real chips in. Yeah. Don't push like excess cap room that you could work out in a in the in the five way deal with the with the Lakers to like swoop in Dinwiddie. Don't like only look for distressed assets, even though that is an avenue that you have to like kind of pursue if you're the wizards, mm-hmm. but like go all in. If this is what you want to do, show us that this is what you want to do. And like actually try to build something that is more than the eighth or ninth seed. And like, you know, because ultimately like the 10 and three start, we were very excited. Like everyone, no one was having a bad time when they started 10 and three, there was skepticism that it would last, but people enjoyed it. And, and we just want to see good basketball. What we don't want to see is like teetering on that like 11th seed, 10th seed. Should they tank? Should they go for the play-in? And no more. That's games. like no man's land. Like I, I know you're a tennis guy. That's no man's land. That's standing in the middle of the court, undecided. Should I go to the net to volley or should I stay at the baseline? Yep. Pick a like make pick a decision. A pick a lane. Yeah, pick a lane and just go. And it looks like you've picked your lane. So now just go and let's get back to the playoffs because it's better than what we what, what we're doing right now. 
we have enough shit in this fan base to complain about that we we don't need to keep revisiting a thing that's never actually going to happen. They, right. they Brad is not gone unless Brad wants to be gone and Brad likes money, which I don't really blame him. So <laughs> he's going to be here. Uh, it really just is that simple. So knock that shit off and go watch some shade and sharp tape because now I'm officially all in just throwing that out there. For the <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been another Believe in Wizards. Thank you all so much for sticking uh, with us all season. We'll get Larry back in the fold here more next season. I, Oz, I appreciate you and Kevin, the Bolts Forever team, really stepping up this year. I hope folks liked our three-point plays. I thought they were cool, you know, to to pick kind of a topical thing and, and kind of do a deep dive on it. So give us some feedback. Let us know what you thought about that, how we can kind of tweak the formula for next season. I, I think we want to try to provide some, you know, unique coverage that you can't get anywhere else. Um so hit, hit us bolts forever, guys, up. We'll see what we can do for you. As always, rate, review, subscribe, love reviews, whatever you want to give us, we'll take it. And uh, as always, we are presented by betonline.ag. So we'll check you all next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save